The following is a presentation of the Chicago Bears Network and ChicagoBears.com. Download the Chicago Bears official mobile app for up-to-the-minute Bears content every day. And now, welcome to Bears All Access, your all-access pass into Chicago Bears football. Bears All Access is brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Athletico Physical Therapy and Art Van Furniture and Mattress. Hey everybody from PNC Studios here at Hallisaw. It's Bears All Access brought to you by IGS Energy with Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak. Good to have you along. No player this week, Tom, as they get back to work on Wednesday and get ready for the New Orleans Saints. But we're going to take the availability that was provided to the media this week of all the assistant coaches on both sides of the ball. And it's always very revealing what you find out. And you heard some of them as well. Uh, everybody's got a very positive attitude at 3-2 and two headed into this Week 7 matchup. Yeah. And they all have freedom to talk. You know, I don't think any of these coaches are trying to hold anything back. You have information, you have questions, and they're going to give you a solid answer. And so it is kind of refreshing that when we get to hear Matt Nagy on a regular basis and he's willing to stand up there each week and answer every question that's asked of him, that you get a chance to hear from the assistant coaches a little bit because they're dealing – emotionally, fundamentally, physically with these guys on an everyday basis through meetings and throughout the practice field. So they deserve to be, you know, give us some answers also. Thoughts on Akeem Hicks not able to return until at least week week 15. He could practice a couple of weeks before if, if his elbow heals up in time. It's really unfortunate, you know, because the game takes such a toll on everybody. And he was in he was playing in the game. He had a little bit of knee soreness, but he's making plays up and down the line of scrimmage. His leadership that he's shown since he's been here, the improvement in his play that he's dedicated himself to since he's been here is why he's on the radar of being one of the top defensive linemen in the league. So it's really unfortunate that he's not playing. But I keep saying, Jeff, every time that a guy goes down, there's got to be a player that's sitting on the edge of his seat waiting for his opportunity. That's pretty much the theme from Bears defensive line coach Jay Rogers when asked how Akeem can be replaced. Well, I mean, I don't know if replaces the word he's going to be with us throughout the game planning he's going to be with us on game day he's going to be on the sidelines all those kind of things so you're going to feel a presence of him on the sideline and everything that we do you know from from here until whenever that is since the guys like Bilal and, and Roy Robb Nick Williams really do look to him for a lot um, is that significant that he'll be that involved and to talk these guys up I think when you have a player like him, keeping him involved in everything that we do, just like he was going to be starting this game, he'll be a voice on the sideline. He'll be a voice in the classroom. He'll be a voice in everything we do. You know, And so his mentality that he's been able to develop over the last few years will still be here. It's not like we're losing this guy for the season and all those kind of things, and he goes off and, and you know is in a different town. He's going to be here. He's part of us. He's part of this Bears family's organization. Does there have to be another level for the element? He could return this week. He's a he's a young player. He's a second year player. So I I would like to think that there's a more to grow from him. You know, um, we'll see as time goes on how much he does grow. But he, again, he's a, still a young player. He's an ascending player, and I think he's going to continue to get better and better as the years go on. What can you teach or, or work on in terms of him dealing with the club? Defense line is so much about using your hands. You know, obviously he'll have to protect that in some way, shape, or form. You know, I, I broke the same hand in the springtime so I know how it feels and what you can and can't do but I don't I don't play defensive line now so it's a little bit different um, you know we're obviously working through that process he had a practice the other day did well in that practice you know hit some pads um, got some good um, 
you know, movement with, with players. But, again, we didn't have the pads on, so you don't know. But he's going to work through all those kinks this week and see how he is. And his, before he got hurt from Bilal, what did you see from him in the game actually that kind of reflected some of the things you saw in training camp? Uh, Bilal has always been a consistent football player. His football IQ is very high. He wants to be good. He practices hard. He prepares well. Um, all those things give you an opportunity to play well. And, again, he's an ascending player who will continue to get well because with all the God-given ability that he has, he's utilizing all the things that, that are not physical in order to give him the best opportunity for success. And so he'll continue to get better because it's important to him. Jay, when, you, when a defense adds a player, for example, like Khalil Mack or, or, or Akeem, it lets them do things, expand the realm of the possible. When you lose somebody like Akeem, and you have to discover these up, and if you want to share them with us maybe, but are there things this defense won't be able to do without um, You know, I don't know. We'll see. I, I remember last year when we lost Khalil Mack for a couple games, I think it was the Buffalo game and the Jets game. I think that's right. We, we, I thought we had some guys who came in and filled in those shoes and did pretty well. You know, we, we expect the same thing. We, we, we The next guy up mentality is real. I mean, there's a reason why we build the roster the way we build it because we feel like we have good football players here. So, you know, we didn't have Akeem for the Minnesota game. I thought we played pretty well in the Minnesota game. So it's all about understanding what your job is, what your role is, how to execute, how to execute under pressure and, and, and doing what we do. You know, we're not asking anybody to go outside of the framework of the defense. We're not asking anybody to do something extra special. We're asking you to do your job because you're 1-11th of the defense. If you're a three technique, supposed to play the guard. I want you to play the guard. What I don't want you to do is is feel like you got to make every play out there. It's got to be 11 as one mentality. Or up front we talk about being four as one. If we do that, we'll be fine. And and that's why this is such the greatest team game is because it takes all 11 guys to do do things well. What was your takeaway of your self-scouting of your unit this uh, bye week? I thought, uh, you know, there's always things you have to clean up. You know, there's only five games where, you know, we have a, a, to build from. So you got a small sample size, but there's a a lot of positives, a lot of things we can clean up um, and, and try to get better as we go. Is there anything about Nick Williams and Roy Robertson Harris that you didn't know that you learned about here in the first five? I would say I learned something different about them. I think what both of them did was take advantage of their opportunities. Uh, Nick played a considerable amount the last few weeks with guys being down. He took advantage of his opportunity and had production. Uh, Roy, I've always felt like, has had um, the ability is all about putting it together. And then what you saw week one versus Green Bay and continue to grow uh, into his own the last few weeks. And he, you're starting to see more production from him. So it's a process. It's not an overnight thing with, with young players. And, of course, him being a third- or fourth-year player, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, talking about a guy who's transitioning from one position to the next, trying to learn the inside stuff. You know, I, I knew from experience that does not just happen in one game. It happens over time. And when it clicks, it's really awesome to watch. You know, Tom, just listening to that, the biggest takeaway is – the theme that remains for this entire defense 11 is one or if you're talking about a pass rush or a defensive line four is one so he doesn't want these guys to go out of their realm just to prove that they are Akeem Hicks and you're not going to be just be you 
Right. Well, that you know, that's the kind of the message here. You're not going to fold up your tents because there's been a player that's been injured and he's going to be out for a while. You know, when you put the the the, the growth of Blau Nichols, you look at the growth ability of a guy like Roy Robertson Harris. You look at a guy who's dedicated a lifetime of getting the opportunity and Nick Williams. So every one of these guys, they have a different trait and a responsibility for why they're here. And they're not here because they were ba- evaluated to be bad players. They were evaluated evaluated to be players that could come in here and contribute at an all pro or a really high level. So I, my my expectations don't decrease at all. It's about making sure those players improve their play. If Palau Nichols is ready to return, what are the unique challenges? And, and Jay did touch on it a little bit about him playing defensive line with a club on his hand. Jay mentioned that his defensive linemen are hand fighters, and you got to be able to use your hands confidently if you're Blau Nichols. If you have some type of interruption and you're only a one-handed player, offensive linemen can identify that immediately. And then I really think you're doing yourself a disservice because you can use the equal strength of these other guys that we've seen, and they can be more damaging. Bears All Access with Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak with engineer Paul Zerang and producer Dan Barelli. It's brought to you by IGS Energy. We're at PNC Studios here at Hallis Hall. Coming up next, we'll talk quarterbacks with Dave Ragone, the Bears quarterback coach, as the Bears prepare for the Saints on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Welcome back to Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy, a proud partner of the Chicago Bears, providing electricity, natural gas, and home warranty products to over 1 million customers across the country. Learn more about IGS Energy at IGS.com. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer here at Hallis Hall at PNC Studios. And you know, with the way the offensive line is, is going and the run game is going, you know, it, it is in the big picture, not the biggest sample size yet to hit the bye week but there was a lot of self-scouting done and now the potential just the potential of Mitch Trubisky you know coming back this week the benefit of having those guys play better up front and try to stay as mentally sharp as possible the mistakes are killing them they all admit it and the run game could benefit and so would Mitch and so would Chase Daniel right but it's all got to be part of the big picture of making sure the whole offense is better. Because I think if you minimize and you say, okay, our run game is going to be so much better because we're determined to do it, then you should have done that week one. I do think it is a work in progress. And so a work in progress is the the healthier Mitch is, the more threatening he can become in his running ability to the outside edge of any defense is going to open up susceptibility in the middle. And then the whole continuous development of the passing game and the weapons they have here, the Allen Robinsons and such, it's going to help whatever you want to do at the line of scrimmage. So it is it, it is a work in progress, and I think, you know, every one of these guys recognize the continuous effort they need. Bears quarterback coach Dave Ragone has consistently been very specific and open about his uh, instruction of, of Mitch and of Chase Daniel, and uh, yesterday was asked what he would tell fans and media about comparing development of Mitch Trubisky to other young quarterbacks in the league right now. The, the hardest thing, just being as, legal, as long as I have as a player now coach, is you get in the comparison game of how things work or how this guy's doing compared to how this guy. Everybody has their own set of issues, good and bad, right? You can start looking at quarterbacks drafted in the same class or the class below you or the class after you, and you're like, oh, this guy's here and this guy. And again, and I've been around all different quarterback rooms. I've yet to see that help any quarterback start to get in the comparison game. Well, this guy threw for four touchdowns last week. I need to throw for four. I've never seen that work. The guys that I've been around or I've seen or I've had conversations with 
who have really had a who stayed in this league a long time at a high level, right? There is no comparison to them. All they're trying to do is be the absolute best, right? We had a few years ago a chance to pay, to pick Peyton's brain, right? And I've known Peyton for a long time. And, again, I hold him in high regard. You're talking about a guy who goes out and every single play matters, right? Every single game mattered. He played every play every game like it was the last one he was going to play, right? He wasn't saying, well, so-and-so just threw for three touchdowns last week in my draft class. Man, I wonder how he, you know, i got to compare to that. They're competing against themselves. The best I've ever been around here, the standard is to themselves, not how other guys are playing. Now, I get, trust me, I get how that could be a natural comparison to people outside this building. I'm not saying that's not a legitimate guy's comparing, how's this guy doing, look how this guy's playing. At the end of the day, what we need from Mitchell, just like every player, is we need him to execute the game plan the fundamentals, the way we want them to at a high level. And once you become consistent in doing that, right, and there is no magic timetable on that, but once you become consistent in doing that, right, then all of a sudden a lot of the other things kind of take care of themselves in terms of how is this guy doing compared because it doesn't matter. What matters is you going out and the job that's asked of you, you doing it. Getting into the other parts of it has never been constructive, so, ever. So what signs do you see that convince you that the production is coming? Yeah, I think, well, again, you you go off what he's done here. So I've had him right his rookie year, then into his second year, and now three games into his third year, right? I think we can all at least say from his rookie year, right, he was into a situation where he wasn't the starter starting camp. He was the third string. All of a sudden, wait, he went to second string. And all of a sudden, let's play Minnesota and he's out there, right? So that was an eight to ten game development of where exactly we're going to find Mitchell with really a part of the roster now that's no longer part of this team, right? Receivers, backs, right? Then you get into his second year and then obviously you have a situation where we bring a new head coach in and all of a sudden right he's learning a system and I think we can all look at the 15 games he played last year right with the two that he missed and say all of a sudden man there's games that man we want that improvement but all of a sudden if you look at the totality of the games right in different situations I think we can all say there's a lot to build on there's a lot of successful things that happen within situations of different games and you're saying okay arrows pointing up in that situation well then you get to 2019 and a Again, right, you have a three-game sample size. So his last game he played, right, I think, if I'm not mistaken, one of the higher completions in terms of his career. Um, there was a red zone interception, right? I get that. There was also three touchdowns in which one was one of the best plays I've ever seen the kid make. And Taylor Gabriel made one of the best catches I've ever seen live in person. So, again, that was nothing to do with, man, that was a – Great design. That kid made the play, right, in a situation in which, right, helped us offensively in the first half. So when I look at all the games in which he's played, right, there's things that we can definitely get better at 100%. I'm not sure any player or any coach is ever going to say there's the guy's a finished product. But then you look at this, some of the things he did well, right, two-minute drives, right, the Eagles two-minute drive playoff game, right, in a critical situation, gets us down. I get it. We didn't end up winning the football game, right? Then you look into 2019. Every year is different. I get it. But when I see this kid, where he's come from, to where I think he's going from 2000 when we drafted him for those games in which he played and then where he is now from a maturity standpoint, 
from how he handles things to how he handles the game plan coming in each week to how he even took the field yesterday after an injury and once he's been out two weeks and we don't know how long how much longer he is going to be out all of a sudden I'm seeing a, I'm seeing a guy growing up I'm seeing a maturity I'm seeing a guy becoming you know an older person 25 he's been in the league when he was 22 you're seeing those things again are they measured in quarterback rating and all that I don't know Right. Obviously, the end goal is for a high, successful production, and that's everybody's goal. Is, is Mitch good at drowning out? I think more than anything else, right? I mean, obviously, you guys are—he's with you guys every week. I don't—we don't ever talk about what questions were just asked, and all. At the end of the day, right? I mean, when he steps in between the white lines, he gets those sixty minutes and maybe some more in overtime. But he gets those sixty minutes to go prove and go play football. And again, it's not to necessarily. Just like how I coach, it's not to prove anybody wrong. It's to prove yourself right, right, that you you are ready to execute the game plan. You are ready to coach this week. It's not the other way where you're trying to prove the naysayers wrong. You're trying to prove the people yourself, more importantly, that you are right. You are doing the right things. So, again, you know, I know I kind of give you guys the same thing, but just I'm, I guess I look at it from a wider lens, right? And, again, my lens, if we want to scope and go down and go narrow his last game, Right. That's the last thing I can go off of is the Washington game with six snaps in Minnesota. And he is, in my opinion, pointing in the right direction. That is typical Ragon, man. He is very, very good at explaining things in great detail about what quarterbacks go through, given that he did play in this league as well. It helps. But he's got a very keen sense of where Mitch is at, and he does feel, as he ended this thing, with the arrow up because of how he played against Washington, the success, the difficult throws, and again, only six snaps against the Vikings before the injury. But the unfortunate aspect that now it's been several weeks, can you pick up where you left off if he's able to go on Sunday? You know, you think of Dave going. he talks about his own playing experience, other players that he played with, and different developments of offenses around the league for all quarterbacks. But you got to think of the quarterbacks, they work in a small room. It's not like we were talking about the defensive line and you're talking about seven, eight bodies. You look at the offensive line, nine or ten different bodies. In Dave Ragone, he's got, uh, you know, great experience from his own development to other quarterbacks he's been able to work with, and how it all fits into the continuous development of Mitchell Trubisky. So again, this is a work in progress. This is work in progress of a young man. So when you talk about before, what's going to help Mitch the most? His ability and his threat to run the ball to the outside, the help of the running game itself, and then the more use to get the ball out of your hands to get it downfield. This offense can be equally as threatening as we always had imagined it to be, but it's the continuous growth process from the quarterback position that probably will have the biggest emphasis on improvement of this offense. Just finding completions. That's what he always right. talks about. And I think that's as simple as you can make it. Finding completions. I don't care where they're at on the field. Move the chains and make things happen. Complete your passes at a high percentage rate. And get in the red zone. The red zone has been something they have not had a lot of snaps in. That'll change the scoreboard in a big way. We'll continue on in our next segment with Mike Fury, the Bears receivers coach, as we get you set for Bears Saints. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Sunday's game against the New Orleans Saints is brought to you by Hall of Fame partner Advocate Healthcare, the official healthcare partner of the Chicago Bears. With Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Bears All Access brought to you by IGS Energy here from PNC Studios at Hallis Hall where yesterday the assistant coaches were made available to the media. It's always a refreshing look and hearing different voice other than Matt Nagy at the podium so many days a week. These guys are living with these guys and nobody's more energetic and more dialed in 
and more excitable than Mike Fury. He really appreciates the work of his crew, Tom. And it's a room that not everybody can get on the field. I mean, you're not going to have six receivers all on the field at, you know, throughout the course of one game. So guys are trying to you know, fight through that and, and continue to practice hard and make themselves better. Yeah, you know, it's nice that they have a leader, a bona fide number one and a guy like Allen Robinson, because he seems like week in and week out, you always have that starting point of a go-to guy, and that can be Allen Robinson. And then you think about the difficulty of your develop, trying to develop rookies like Ridley, and you're trying to make guys that are young in their career, Javon Wims, to get better week in and week out. But then you also have guys like Tariq Cohen and Cordero Patterson, because they're multiple players. They have to be in the running back's room and they have to be in the wide receiver room. Plus they have details on special teams that they have to be familiar with. So I think this is still probably become the most important position on the offense this early this season, and I think it can benefit the offense the most going down the season. Allen Robinson averaging 12.2 a catch, 22 first downs so far through the first five games. Mike Fury and how he described the streak A-Rob is in right now. How would you describe the stretch Allen Robinson is on right now? Well, I think he's just, uh, I think he's playing at a high level, and I think that the most important thing is he's just, he's, he's so consistent. Uh, you know, he's coming to work every week, and, and uh, every day he comes out and tries to get better, and, he, and uh, I know he feels good. You know, he's 100% uh, from a physical standpoint, but I, I just think right now you're, you're seeing who he is. And, uh, and I think it's more consistent than what we really have seen in the past. And so, uh, obviously, it's a lot of fun right now. He really does own the middle of the field when he's running those in-cutting in routes. Why is it? Well, I think the biggest thing is, is we, we've, we, uh, before the season, we just kind of challenged, you know, one of his big things was, you know, you're, you're going to be a target. You know, you're not always going to be open, but you've you got to be that consistent guy that when the ball is thrown, when you're targeted, you know, you've you got to be one of those elite wide receivers that when the ball comes your way, no matter what, you come down with it. And I think he's, he's kind of takes some ownership of that. And, uh, you know, we talked about that a little bit last week in the bye week. You know, he sent me a statistic that it was a statistic that we, you know, our, that's our goal for the season. And so uh, he, he's, he's really taken ownership of that and he's done a great job. But right now he's just playing, you know, he's playing relentless. You know, he wants that football and he wants to help the team win, which is, which is, you know, a really neat character, you know, characteristic that he has. And so, uh, but uh, we got to keep plugging. We got a long way to go. What kind of statistic are you talking about? Well, our goal was uh, seventy to seventy-five percent target to catch ratio. Was our goal? He's at his highest of his career. He's at, our, he's at seventy-three, right? Yeah, he's at seventy. Yeah, thanks, because he texted me that. Yeah. <laughs> I think I texted him like seventy-two point eight. I think he texted me back like seventy-three point something. But uh, you know, our, that was our goal. You know, at, like last year, at the end of the year, I think he was probably he was pushing probably in the low sixties, and uh, and yet he was. Very very productive, but uh, that, that's the challenge. That, that was our goal going into the season was to make sure that he was in that elite category of 70 to 75 percent target to catch ratio. And and uh, like I said, after five weeks, you know, we see where he's at, and um, and that's a, that's a it's been pretty neat to see him do that. And uh, but he's got to continue to do that here in the next our stretch. And Taylor Gabriel, obviously the unfortunate aspect of going into concussion protocol, but where where was he about to go at that point? And can he pick up where he left off? Yeah, I think. He can. I think it was all his attitude. You know, I think he's uh, his attitude's been tremendous over the past, you know, four or five months. Trying to uh, kind of understanding that he doesn't have to come here and uh, be somebody that you know that he that he was trying to be. You know, he, he could just come here and just be 
uh, be himself and learn how to play. We didn't ask him to become Superman, but just come in here and make plays and, and uh, you know, be a, be a reliable source for us. And so he's done that. And I think in the offseason, he's worked his tail off and kind of had that confidence that he's going to be a role player, that he's going to be a big contributor to this offense. And he put himself in that position. And then I think the production obviously uh, showed what he's been working on. And so I don't think it has anything to do with him sitting out for a week or two with his, you know, with the, with the concussion. But I think it's been more of I think he's going to be able to come back and adapt quickly because of what, where he's put himself before he got hurt. And so uh, I think he'll be just he'll step right back in there and we'll keep rolling. What are you asking of Anthony Miller right now? Uh, just keep keep being consistent. I think uh, you know the, the inconsistency is still there at times, but yet the consistency of him lining up, uh, being where he's supposed to be, making plays now when the ball's thrown his way. I think that stuff is starting to work and and starting to happen. And so it's just continue to con- continue to grow. I mean, again, we're a year and a half in, not even a year and a half in. You're in the NFL season where normally a wide receiver three or four years in is when you start becoming, you know, you start getting comfortable, you start understanding about you know the game and how to play the game but uh, for a year and a half in right now where he's at uh, where we've tried to push him to become where he's at right now compared to where he was uh, I know he's proud of himself and uh, I think it, it's, it's helped him it's, it's kind of uh, pushed him a little bit to continue and, and uh, but he's just, we just got to keep working on that consistency I don't have to sit there and worry about him getting lined up nor does he you know he's gotten lined up uh, you know he's, he's doing what we're asking him to do he's communicating with our guys right now with A-Rob and, and the guys out there about who's on who's off the ball all that stuff is, is development and uh, obviously the big play that he made on the sideline where you know giving him a chance that stuff started showing up we haven't really seen that since the Denver preseason game last year when he made the big catch on the sideline in the preseason and so that stuff is uh, you're starting to see it in practice you're, you're starting to see it in games and so uh, he's done everything we've asked him to do he's, he's been everywhere we've asked him to be in a game and so uh, that's been neat and so now we just we keep growing and keep getting more consistent and hopefully get him some opportunities Riley Ridley is the day coming when he'll get a, a crack at it and how has he been practiced you know what he's been great I think he's uh, he's understanding the NFL and what it's like to have you know to be patient and wait for your opportunity uh, we all know that you can't go in the game with four or five wideouts and have them all play it's just it's not healthy for a player to go in and say hey okay now you're out now you're back in go back in come back out it's just the flow of the game has to happen when you're you're seeing everything playing you know playing and play out and so uh, that's the hardest thing about coaching you know you want to get these guys in you want to get these guys into play and you want to get them to have experience but on the other hand it's just it's part of the game you know as a player you don't want to come out you want to feel the game you have to stay in the game and so Riley's done a great job of starting to understand his role uh, he's come to practice every week and, and, and he's working his tail off he's listening in meetings I know he's ready and uh, but I can't tell you and he can't tell you when that when that opportunity is going to present itself but I think he'll be ready when it happens everybody wants to see Anthony Miller explode. He had high expectations when he came here. I, I loved his college tape, loved what he did last year before his injury and working through the injury. And, you know, Mike Fury feels that he is doing everything that's asked, as you just heard in that uh, interview uh, from the media just a couple of days ago. I, I, I handled most of those questions. But, boy, if he could take this now final 11 games and really compliment Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, and the rest of the offense, that'd be huge for this Bears team. Yeah, you know, he's got to develop a relationship with the quarterback position because any great receiver out there is going to, the first thing they're going to do is compliment their relationship, being on the same page, having the same rhythm as the quarterback has. And so I think that's going to be important in the development of Anthony Miller. He's got the skills, he's got the excitement, he's got the toughness to catch it over the middle, but it's going to be about precisely putting the ball into an area that he's going to be able to catch it and continue 
continue on his playmaker route. I think when you look at the pass and you look at some throws behind him or some difficult attempted catches, that's when he becomes frustrated with himself. So it is about that pattern that the quarterback and Anthony Miller are on the same page. You feel for a guy like Riley Ridley a little bit. Yes, because, I do. You know, he, he, he's got a lot of bodies in front of him, but the, the day will come. The day will come. He'll get his opportunity. I think he's an outstanding route runner already. You have these players that are sitting there in the back of their mind telling these other players without saying anything verbally, don't get hurt. Because as soon as my opportunity comes, I'm not going to leave the field. And I really do think Ridley with his bloodline, from what we've been able to see out of him in the practice field, he's got a high upside. And so does Javon Wims. I I like the way he's approached this 2019 season as well. We'll continue on with more on the Bears as they get ready for the Saints. We'll listen to Ted Monachino on Leonard Floyd and more on the outside linebackers here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Join Bears Care and Advocate Healthcare in raising funds for programs supporting Chicago-area breast cancer patients and their families. Purchase your real Bears fans wear pink shirt at chicagobears.com slash pink. Jeff Joniak, Tom there, Bears and Saints on Sunday at Soldier Field at 325. Uh, the play of the defense, obviously, um, I think they're going to come in a little angry about the way they played against the Raiders in London. And the performances of Khalil Mack and Leonard Floyd, especially, Tom, without Akeem Hicks, to me is paramount now in the next 11 weeks. Yeah, well, the whole focus of attention of pass protection is going to start with Khalil Mack. Before, it used to have to go through Akeem Hicks to Khalil Mack. Now when you see the direction of protection, as much as they want to point out the backside linebacker, they're going to be looking at Khalil Mack. What, what's the good thing about that? It's going to open up opportunities on the backside for that defensive lineman that has a one-on-one or, or even a guy like Leonard Floyd. So you have to turn a negative into a positive, and the positive is still Khalil Mack. He still is going to get all the attention you want. But again, those other guys that are going to be able to capitalize on that opportunity, it could even be a backside uh, second-level linebacker that maybe will be open to more blitz opportunities. It could even be, as we're going to learn here from, from Coach Monachino, uh, that Leonard Floyd and Khalil Mack will be on the field with Aaron Lynch playing inside sometimes. And that was the case well, a couple of weeks ago. Leonard Floyd can also play on the inside. We've seen it before in his past. So I don't think that you're going to lose any versatility of the defense because Akeem's not going to be here. But you've got to see production out of the one-on-one defenders. Sometimes the stat sheet doesn't tell the whole story. And that may be the case with Leonard Floyd. Dead two sacks in the opener against Green Bay. Outside linebacker coach Ted Monachino on his play since then. What he's been doing since then is continuing to work on his craft every day. And um, what he's been doing since then is continue to study the protectors he's going against every day. I will tell you that Leonard Floyd has not, he hasn't lost an ounce of confidence. He's really close to making a ton of plays and he he continues to work at it. I don't think saying he had two sacks in the first game and has done nothing since is a fair uh, assessment of what he's done because I've never coached a Sam like Leonard Floyd. Uh, Leonard Floyd has done a great job of setting edges. He's done a great job of affecting the passing game and coverage. He's done a great job of knocking guys back into the launch point. We just got to figure out ways to get him clear and get him to finish as a rusher. Um, 
and he's completely focused and intent on doing that. He's the right guy for it. We saw Aaron over the nose with a hand in the dirt a couple weeks back when Nakeem was first yep. down. I would assume maybe we're going to see that again. How can you help him be better equipped uh, you know, to, to right. perform if he is in that role once again? It's the same process across the front. So whoever they line up across from will know that player really well. These are the things he struggles with. These are the things that we want to stay away from. Um, when This has been the plan all along with Aaron. Can we find ways to move him around in the defense where we can take advantage of the big, athletic, explosive man that maybe shows up in a different spot than they're used to seeing him? Um, so as we evolve, this is something that you, you may see more and more of. Um, this week's plan, our third down plan, isn't in yet, so it's really hard to tell what we're going to be. Come you know, By Friday afternoon, we'll know it. Uh, but I will tell you, he's not afraid to go in there and rush against any of them, and even though he has to speed his clock up a little bit, it's it happens faster inside than it does outside because usually it's your second and a half or third step before I've had to make contact with a protector when I'm outside. Inside, it's within half a second at least. It may be faster than What has struck you about the way different opponents have approached Khalil differently? Well, I think that the more tape gets out there, the more people realize not only do we have to tend to him and know where he he is every snap, we have to scheme him. We have to make sure that he can't wreck the game because if they don't, he potentially can wreck every game he plays because he's that kind of a guy. But... um, uh, it's this is standard stuff. When you've got a rare guy, this is what they do, and we've got to come up as a staff. I've I have to come up with a better way to get him freed up and get him to make some plays. Um, not a shock at all, though. Especially you know with what Oakland did, they do that anyway, so it doesn't surprise me. I was gonna say, you just tell him to run through the three guys like yeah. How about, game, right? how about that? Yeah, just that's easy, right? a special do, do the rare guys, as you refer to them, do they ever reach a level of frustration sure. within the framework of a game? I mean, you could clearly make a guess that that was a frustrating experience yeah. for the man. They they do get frustrated, um, but what they they become is more and more determined. Uh, they become better students. They learn to study more. Here's here's the three or four things that I can do, and they when they try to tend to me this way. Uh, but they do get frustrated. You know, Leonard's frustrated. You know, you mentioned it, right? He had two sacks in the first one. He hadn't had any any sense. Well, that frustration leads to growth, and uh, those guys are studying like crazy, and they're trying to figure out, and we're trying to figure out as a staff ways to get them clean at the end of the down. How would you suspect without a great player like Akeem, who does demand double teams and lots of attention as well, impact those two guys now? It will, it will have an impact. I will tell you, though, um, the roster is built in such a way that the remaining players that will be active on game day, they, they'll pull that rope. And if it takes us four players to make three really good ones by using them the right way situationally, that's exactly what we'll do. So uh, I don't have a concern about those inside guys. I know that Jay's probably answering the same questions now, and I know he doesn't. got a ton of confidence in Nick and in Bilal and, and in uh, Roy and all the guys that are going to be playing in there. How, how have you found Khalil to, like that, that Oakland game's a perfect example, take the coaching. When you have great players, you know, I, I know he's humble and all that, and he's coachable, but h- how does he take the coaching very specific points of, of something like that. He has absolutely no problem with it. He wants that. He is that guy that will ask the right question in, in a meeting. He'll say, you know, how, how how do you see this? What's the best way for me to go about defeating this? And, and so he and I will go to work on it together. Um, I, I see a guy that, uh, as a mature man, 
that is a football player from the top of his head to the bottom of his shoes, he all he wants to do is help us win. And he's going to study and he's going to work and he's going to practice and he's going to prepare and he's going to be as clean and healthy as he can be come Sunday. So when we do, when we do get a chance for to go out there against the Saints, he's going to be full speed. I felt it very interesting there, you know, when I asked Monachino about, you know, can a player of greatness like Khalil Mack get frustrated over the course of a game? Or, or you look at the case of Von Miller in Denver early in the season, not getting his sacks, you know, because teams are targeting you. But they're used to it, you would think, right? But he's a, such a coachable player that the little things he asks for, that's the, the key to me. He's not too big to think, I can't learn something new every single day. Right. You know, fundamentally, techniques, we see how hard he works every day in practice. The thing about it is that's most rewarding to a player that's going to start grabbing the attention is the other guys capitalizing on it. Because if I'm going to put my body through this, then somebody better make a play. It's similar to Eddie Goldman on the inside. You're going to get abused every single play by an offensive guard from your right and your left. You want to see the the linebacker behind you capitalize on that opportunity. I'm going to hold up two offensive linemen, you go and make the play. It's the same thing with Khalil. He's a mature player. He's good enough to still win the plays, but other guys, again, have to step up. Well, I mean, uh, how many tight ends, really, are there going to be that are going to be, even if they have chipping help, deal with him? I mean, the Raiders did a really good job. I'm not going to lie. But, you know, he's in, that's a rare situation where you're going to find a tight end that's going to be able to even, with help, deal with Khalil. Well, listen, as long as Khalil Mack is in the NFL, there's, he's going to create a lot of sleepless nights for any offensive blockers that have to contend with them. So, I mean, that's going to, that's going to be the route that he's going to, that's going to, you know, follow him throughout his whole career is how many bodies are going to be sent at him. All right. Coming up next, we're going to dig into the offensive line. Tom's expertise as the bears meet the Saints Sunday at Soldier Field. This is Chicago sports radio, 670, the score. Hey, be sure to stop by the Miller Light Ultimate Tailgate before the next game. Coming up on Sunday, the tailgate opens at 1 p.m. through one-hour postgame located at the Field Museum. Ultimate Tailgate, free for fans of all ages and a great place to stop for food and drinks before heading into the game. This is Bears All Access brought to you by IGS Energy here at PNC Studios at Hallis Hall. Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak with you as we look at the offensive line. Um, what's your review to the first five? I've got to say I'm a little just disappointed in the the stats that the the Bears running game has provided for their offense up until this point. I'm a little frustrated in the fact that I want I thought that this was going to be the strength position of the Bears going into this season and it would be the leader of the offense of why they're going to, why they're going to be doing so well at this point. But you had injuries, you had position changes, you've had some lack of production from the running game, trying to get a new running back acclimated to what your system is all about. And those types of things, they got to improve. And, uh, you know, um, you know, even if an offensive line up until this point had played a perfect game, they're never going to be judged perfectly. It's always going to be about how much better can you be the next week. And that was the task of Harry Heastand during the bye week. The self-scout that you often hear so much of uh, was asked yesterday with the media available to uh, talk to the assistants, the O-line coach, on a week of review of the first five games and how simple are the corrections. Well, the, I think the biggest thing that stuck out to me was just you know, we, we were kind of taking turns 
and I'm, you know, I'm making a mistake that, that hurt, really hurt the production of the play. So that's what we really focused on is dialing in and zeroing in on the details of, of getting five guys. And in our case, um, to, to be doing exactly what we need done with detail and, and uh, to try to improve it. Uh, but that, that's what stuck out. Harry, as a coach, how difficult is it for you to see Kyle's season end the way that Yeah, it's unfortunate. You know, as kind of coaches talked about it and, you know, um, you, you have the, uh, a guy with, you know, all that talent and excitement, loves the game, and it just you know, wasn't able to, to hold up. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. What's the hardest part of having those conversations of just knowing that it's the end of the road for the season? Yeah, those are never easy um, for any player, but uh, I think they all know that it's not uh, – you know, it doesn't go on forever, you know, so, uh, but no, there's nothing easy about that. Where have you seen James in these, you know, from, we talked to you right after the first game, and then since then, those kind of, the few games in between, where, where have you seen kind of his progress? Yeah, he's he's improving. Um, uh, like any young player, it's day-to-day, you know, and learning on the job and experiencing the things that you, you experience as a player. There's no substitute for being out on that game field with the lights on and everything's got to get done, uh, you know, so uh, each time he's out there, uh, he's learning and getting better. Has there been any kind of acclimation for him, just the speed? I mean, obviously center was his position in college, but just the difference of NFL defensive linemen from that spot, has that taken some time for him to... No, I think it's just, you know, getting back to the uh, the consistency of he starts everything, you know, m- more than the, the speed, it's just the operation as a center. In terms of filling Kyle Long's spot, what is your best option in terms of what player will... Yeah, like like Coach said, you know, we've got three guys that uh, experience with Ted Larson and, and uh, two younger guys in Rashad and Alex, and we'll work through that. What can the, the couple of snaps Rashad played against Minnesota? Yeah, he played more than a couple. Well, right. Yeah. But, I mean, what, what I mean, can those do for oh, your own confidence? In well, well, it's good for him, you know, because he's been on the field and you know, we can look back and, and, and watch plays where he blocked guys, you know, and did a good job. And we can look at it and say, hey, here's where you got to get better and here's the things that you learned as you went through it. But, yeah, it was great for him to be on the field there. You guys worked him as a tackle, but what traits do you like about him as a guard? Well, he, he just his he's a tough guy. He plays very, very hard. It's super important to him, very prideful. Um, you know, he, he's he's very determined to keep his guy from making a play, and that's a that's a big part of this. When you see Charles's penalty issues in the first five games, is there a common denominator? What do you notice as you go back and through that? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, did you guys watch the game last night? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, so, uh, and I, I, I'm not going to be critical the officials, but some of them are phantoms. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, God, it's like, it's like here, hands here, and uh, I mean, he's had, he had a couple that. Um, were, were clearly penalties, but as many as the, the number that he's had, you know. So no, it's not. It's just a matter. Yeah, it, it was a point of emphasis for them to start out the season doing it, and then they were calling them all over the place, and they backed off. And I can't win commenting on that, but he, he'll, he'll be fine. Yeah, but you're okay with where no, he's at? No, he'll, he'll be fine. Okay. He, he works too hard. He's very prideful. He, he, he comes every day to get better. It's, 
if it was a if it if it was happening because he was being lazy or not giving effort and sloppy, that'd be different. But it, it's it's the opposite. Are the hands to the face penalties that have been called against him almost more frustrating than some of the holding ones? Just because that that seems like such a point of emphasis. Yeah, I mean. The, the guys, like the, the, those guys, don't seem to get it as far. I mean, people's heads are moving right, all the time. Right. You go like this, and yeah. suddenly, you know. Um, and I think what I read this morning, one of the things that it was important about it is that it stays there, and that it's, you know, kind of an act of getting an edge by uh-huh. doing it. And so we just want to prevent that. Tom, that hands of the pace penalties, uh, obviously in in prime focus, given what the NFL said yesterday. They made, made a mistake on the second one on Trey Flowers from a defensive perspective, but it's also hurt the offensive line in Charles Leno this year. Yeah, you know, that's why you go over there and you have positive reinforcements of your techniques and fundamentals on a daily basis. And when you become susceptible to start raising your hands into the hand of, up into the face mask in the face, it's all about you just bending your It's, it's simple. Hmm. It's about having a better knee bend, have a better aiming point, have a better target in terms of what you're looking at before the play ever starts. So it's something that you it's got to be corrected because players can fall into bad habits that haunt themselves throughout their whole career. All right, let's uh, have a minute here to talk about the Saints. What what do you what do you worry about when you see a Saints team coming in? You know, the defense. Uh, their defense is really playing well. They have a shutdown corner. They have a defensive line that runs really well sideline to sideline. They have big, thick bodies on the interior that don't allow you a lot of interior running room. So it's kind of funny that we're not talking that I don't, I'm not immediately drawn to the <laughs> offense, and I probably, I may be if Drew Brees was guaranteed to be there, but I've Really impressed with the defense is doing for New Orleans. Yeah, Saints defense with nine sacks, three takeaways uh, past three weeks, and they do shut down the run. They've been very good at that. Uh, offensively, though, it's Kamara and Michael Thomas, right? Yes, it is. And, you know, you're kind of um, playing up to the ability of Teddy Bridgewater at this point. He's a quarterback that's been in the system a little while. He understands how to be effective at the line of scrimmage. If you can keep him in the pocket and have him make decision throws, that's when you're susceptible to creating a mistake by him. All right, that's going to do it for this week's Bears All Access Show. Appreciate you being alongside Tom Thayer and myself, Jeff Joniak, with Paul Zeranger, Engineer, and Dan Barilli, our producer. Bears Saints Sunday at Soldier Field on News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM WBBM, 325 the kickoff. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to this Chicago Bears Network presentation of Bears All Access. Podcasts are available on chicagobears.com and on iTunes or download the official Bears mobile app. Bears All Access has been brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Miller Lite.